Hey everybody, it's Dan. Welcome or welcome back to the Bridge Church Podcast. Please, at the end of this episode, take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and head over to bridgechurchutah.com and have access to all of the church information and it's the easiest way to share content with a friend and keep up with everything going on around here at Bridge Church. Most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Amen. Well, who's glad to be in church today? Good morning, everybody. It's pretty exciting. Got a lot going on around here, as always. We talked about the mid that's going to be happening this Wednesday. It's my Wednesday. It's first Wednesday. I think we're going we're gonna to look at... Uh, if you can, get on the stream or come to church, because we're going to look at cultural Jewish wedding and compare it to Jesus and his bride this Wednesday. And if, I don't know about you, but if you're into Jewish culture or, or the Hebrew culture of the day, uh, I, I just love that stuff. I mean, when I was in college, we wrote, we, I wrote a lot of papers about that stuff. And it was, it's just exciting to me to know in Jewish culture how the wedding feast that, that Jesus calls the church his bride and how he's coming to get his bride and to, com to compare and contrast that to how it works in Jewish culture is amazing. It's going to be great. So that's Wednesday night, maybe a two-weeker. We'll see. Happy Memorial Day, everybody. Uh, you saw our, our video talking about the 13 folds and uh, the guys, the men and women who have laid their life down, laid their life down so we can do this, right? Um, it's close to me. So there. <laughs> uh, we're going to pray this morning uh, for a number of things. We all know what happened in Texas this past week, that stupidness, which is just heartbreaking. Uh, we're going to pray for uh, the soldiers, the families, and then for our service this morning. So if you can stand, stand this morning, as usual, let's put our hands out. Let's get ready to receive the word this morning. We're going to talk about the blessed life that we all want, but nobody knows how to get it. So we're going to help you. And we'll pray this morning for a number of things, especially this pestilence that's on this planet. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. We praise you for this day, for it is the day that you have made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it, and we enter your gates with thanksgiving and your courts with praise this morning, Lord. Father God, as our nation, as our nation pauses today to remember those in the military who have given their lives whew, for the freedoms that we enjoy. We pray that you would, that all of us, Lord, would look to you for strength, for comfort, and for guidance. Father, pray that you will be with those who served in the armed forces and bless them and their families. Father, we pray a special peace for those, God, who are dealing with suicide. Be their strength, be their light in the darkness. Father, we pray for your loving protection and let your peace prevail among the nations in Ukraine, Lord. 
Especially let your mercy rest on upon this land, even as we acknowledge with thanksgiving your past goodness on this country. Lord, we pray you preserve the lives of the men and women in uniform as they defend our citizenry. Most of all, we pray that you would turn the hearts of all, God, military and civilian and government, to your holy word where we find true peace for our souls that surpass all understanding. Keep us repentant of sin. Move us to know and take hold of the treasure of your saving grace. Father, we pray this, this morning for the people of Uvalde, Texas, and Robb Elementary School. who are dealing with this absolutely heinous act, Lord. Oh, Lord, we call upon you in this time of sorrow, and you give us strength that we can bear these heavy burdens. Father, we pray that you would be mindful of us, have mercy on us while we struggle to comprehend life's hardships. Help us to help those, God, who mourn instead of making stupid judgments and freaking out with bad decisions. Let's just minister to those who are hurting. And Father, for us in this place this morning, Lord, we declare where two or three are gathered in your name. You are in our midst. So Father, as Patty said, we lean into your presence this morning. And Father, you stand at the door and knock unto him who opens it for you. You shall come in and sup with him. So Lord, we kick the door open this morning and invite you to establish your presence in our midst. Father, we declare right now that every barrier, blockade, stronghold, veil, or anything else that would otherwise hinder the progress and get in our way are put to sleep, disengaged, and moved out of the way in Jesus' name. Father, this word shall land on the hearts of your people, and we thank the Holy Spirit of truth that you are ever-present to lead us and guide us into all truth, for you do not speak of yourself but whatever you hear, you speak, and you show us all things to come. Yes. Father, we received the word this morning, and we pray this service is very fruitful, and we thank you in advance for the healing and breakthroughs that are going to manifest in this time. In Jesus' name, if you can get into agreement with any of that, how about we say amen. amen. Turn to two or three people before you sit down and give them a high five or something while I wipe my face. You may be seated if you can. We are way behind schedule. <laughs> Hallelujah. I just have a sense that I'm in a room full of overcomers this morning. Amen. All right, we're going to continue with our series or start the series or do whatever we're going to do with this series this morning called The Blessed Life. The blessed life is super important to you and me because without it, we're stuck, and nobody likes to be stuck, amen? 
A couple things changed my whole life when it came to finances. Number one was reading this book called The Blessed Life. It's written by Robert Morris, who's a distance mentor of mine. My alma mater is at that church in Texas and Dallas, the King's University. Uh, he wrote a book called The Blessed Life, and he takes biblical principles and puts them to use because how many of you know this is a cool building with cool stuff and cool things over here, lots of cool stuff, but if we do, don't have the cha-ching to pay for it, we're going to be not doing this, right? So we need God's people blessed. Amen? We need God's people blessed. So when we talk about the blessed life, I'm not talking about the comfortable life. Right? Because God doesn't really care what you drive or where you live or how much money you got in your bank or how your stock portfolio looks. God doesn't care about any of that. And he could, it's all his anyway, and he could simply ask for it back or go and get it. So don't get too comfortable in all of your riches and wealth because it's not yours. And you said, what? I worked my whole life, Pastor. There's a big difference in God owning it and us owning it. We're going to talk about that. Yes, this is a financial series, right? God told me a couple of years ago to stop taking or receiving, I guess you call it, an offering. And we don't, we don't collect it, right? We don't pass the buckets. We don't do all that junk. We, uh, the Lord specifically put it on my heart, and he said, let me deal with the people. So once every three years or so, it was 2019, the last time we taught this series, we're going to teach a series on giving, and this is it. Welcome to church. <laughs> I'm Pastor Dan. I'm here to encourage you. All right, so here it is. It's been three years, and you'll get six weeks of this series, and then it'll be envelope, church center, website. That's how you give. I'm going to let God deal with you on everything else, all right? So during this series, we're going to learn some things, right? So let's start with the pre-message statements. We said this last week. Listen objectively, right? There have been abuses in this, in churches all over the place, right? We need a special offering so I can get an airplane. What? I have never in my life thought that was biblical, uh, we were, I, I have to be really careful because I am so passionate about this and I can really come against some stuff which I don't believe is right to stand in a pulpit and then pick on somebody else. But we have to understand this wealth thing has been twisted and turned and name it and claim it and all this stupidness has been abused. So what do we have to do as Christians? We forgive and release. Okay, so if you have been heard some w weird, wicked teaching about this stuff, I'm sorry, forgive and release, all right? If you've had things stolen from you, I'm sorry, forgive and release, all right? That's all we can do about this. So, let's get going. Being blessed, right, means having the supernatural power of God working for you in every area, right? This is not why we're saved, this is part of the thing, part of the deal. You look at Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the 12 tribes, blessed. Children of Israel, blessed beyond belief. Rarely do you see poor Jewish people. Why? Because they know the concepts and how they work. 
They understand God has a system to provide for his church and his people. If we do it correctly and appropriately, it operates in the manner and fashion it's supposed to. But when it's abused, forgive and, and move on, okay? So a couple of blessed words translated in Hebrew, Ashur and Baruch in the Hebrew, blessed, okay? In the Greek, we have a, a, a word that eulogy comes from, right? Eulogios and Markaros, Markaios, something. I don't know. I don't speak Greek or Hebrew for that matter. But these words are all used of believers, but only Baruch and, and uh, eulogy are spoken of God, right? Our part of our job as Christians are to bless God. It's not one way, it's two ways. How do we bless God? We bless God by worshiping him. We bless God by talking to him. We bless God by having a relationship with him, right? We call it secret place. Or sometimes just a conversation. Think of in, in our marriage, if I never talk to my wife, how's that relationship going to work out? <laughs> that would be some kind of way, right? So, so let's talk about this. This word uh, uh, Baruch in, uh, in the Hebrew, almost every single prayer in the Hebrew, excluding the Shama, which, which is the most amazing prayer that Hebrew people base their whole life on, start with this Baruch, and it's blessed are you, our Lord. Okay, and in the Hebrew, it's Atta Adonai, Atta Adonai, blessed are you, Lord. Now the Shema, 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 whatever it is, right, is one of the most important prayers in all of the Bible to Israel, and it's in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and it's here, that's Shema, Shema, whatever, here in Hebrew, O Israel, the Lord God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. Does that sound familiar? That's the baseline of all Jewish religion right there. That's their number one prayer. They pray it all the time. That's their baseline for life. Remember, the religious guy came to Jesus and asked him, what's the most important commandment? I believe it was a test for our Lord. And he answered with the, this prayer. Except Jesus added mind to it, which in Jewish culture, they believe that the heart is the base for everything, controls all things, including your mind. So Jesus introduced that to them, and he answered that question with this prayer. comes right out of Deuteronomy 6. So the blessed man in a blessed life, right? Who wants to live a blessed life? Anybody, right? Should we just move on to a next series or, or what? Because wouldn't it be easier to be blessed? The blessed man may or may not be wealthy. Wealth doesn't matter in God's economy. Get that in your heart to start this series. This is not about wealth. This is not about being rich. This is not about being able to do what you want to do. Because it's not yours. Okay? He may be wealthy by the world's standards, but the blessed life has a quality of life that many billionaires would envy. Right? I think I called it last week. 
you know, blessed in every area of life, health, wellness, relationships, marriage, relationship with your children. Blessed life includes more than just finances and wealth. Because again, the Lord's not concerned with your wealth. At four separate points in the book of Deuteronomy, God tells those who will obey him that he will bless everything they put their hands to if they are obedient to the commandments, right? Uh, chapter 14, verse 29, the, the context here is generosity. It says this, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands at what they do. How many of you want everything that you touch to be blessed? All right, 1510. We're going to come back to this in a minute. But the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and all to which you put your hand. Right? Again, generosity. In, in chapter 23, verse 20, talking about interest or greed, that the Lord your God may bless you in all which you set your hand in the land which you are entering to possess. How many of you know the Lord opened the door for them to take the whole land, right? 28.8, chapter 28 of Deuteronomy is one of the most phenomenal chapters on giving and being obedient that you will ever see in the whole Bible, right? And again, talking about obedience, the Lord will command the blessing on you. Let's just reach up right now and Lord command the blessing to be on me and receive that thing, right? Uh, the Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses in all which you set your hand. He will bless you in the land which the Lord God is giving you. A couple of verses later, verse 12, the Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in season. In an agricultural economy, rain is pretty stinking important. I know everybody's complaining about it now. It's funny. Everybody complains when it rains. Now everybody complains when it doesn't rain. It's like, all right, well, talk to the farmers, I guess. I don't know. Uh, to bless all the work of your hand. And catch this. He says, you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. I wonder if God needs or wants us blessed. Because nations like, oh, let's say Bangladesh, need our help. There's, people, there's a guy over there under the bridge who needs your help. You cannot help him unless you are blessed. Trust me, none of this teaching for the next five weeks includes you being happy or you being satisfied or you being secure. It's about blessing someone else. Are you with me? Can you get that in your heart? This is not for me to buy a new truck or a new car or a new house or a new anything. It's about me blessing someone else. Maybe some poor, lonely guy who's in Bangladesh preaching the word at his own life stake because if he gets caught, he's going to die. Kind of a big deal. Let's help him. Let's help people in India and China the church in China that gets persecuted and arrested and jailed forever. Let's help those people. Can we do that? Can you get in agreement with me? So I want to show you how the blessed life influences your whole life today. Hopefully you have a handout. Um, if you don't, there's someplace. All right? 
Uh, the three ring binders are bless our blessing to you from somebody in the church. Just grab one and keep them in there. So they stack up and you can look back and, and secret place them and do all that stuff there for you to have, right? So Matthew 7, we're going to have a little Bible study here this morning that's going to help you understand contexts. If you weren't here a couple weeks ago on Wednesday, we, had, we how to read the Bible. We're going to look at some stuff because this has been a major abuse and I want to correct it right now, okay? Matthew 7, verse 1. Here we go, verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. Here's the first question of the day. What's the context of this verse? Judgment. Very good, Dom. That's Bible school student right there, see? Judgment, okay? Just in case you have a question of what that context is, let me read it and emphasize the context words, okay? Judge, okay? Not that you be judged, for with what judgment? Judgment, okay? You good? Where was it? Judge, <laughs> you judge with... You will be judged with what measure you use. It will be measured back to you. So the main topic and the context, context rules everything in this book. And there's a billion people all over this planet taking things out of context and twisting them or putting two things together that are out of context that make sense for the message everywhere, okay? So that we can clearly see that this is judging or condemnation. That's the context of this, all right? Now, if you have a Bible like mine, right, you have a center column right here, right? That's for what's called parallel passages, right? We have three Gospels, synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Then we have John. I don't know where John's head was, but his is kind of different. But these three Gospels, three different writers, okay, written by three different people, and we have parallel passages, simply the same story in a different gospel. So if you look in your center column and find chapter 7, verse 1, you see it says Luke 6, 37 for verse 1. This is the same, there's not a scholar on the planet who's going to argue that this is not the same, or this is exactly the same story in a different gospel by a different writer. Matthew that we just read in chapter 7 was an IRS agent, tax collector, an accountant, probably a nerd, right? A little weird, likes numbers, that whole thing, okay? Now, Luke's gospel, Luke was a physician, very detailed, very specific, totally different writing style. So let's look at Luke chapter 6 and see what the physician Luke, how he writes it, Okay? Let's start in verse 37. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Sounds pretty familiar, doesn't it? Sounds like the same story. Now skip to the end of verse 38, where he says, For with the same measure that you use, it'll be measured back to you. 
That sounds almost identical, but a different gospel writer. Someone with more, I don't know if he was more educated. I don't even know how you got the, obviously, I don't know if you went to medical school or they just said, hey, you know what? You're a doctor. Go fix that guy. I don't know. Is there colleges then? Who knows? We can see the parallel passage. There's not a scholar in the world who's going to argue that this is a different story, different context, different anything. It's the same story written by someone else. Are you with me? Okay. So what's the context of Luke 6, 37 and 38 and Matthew 7, 1? The context is judgment. Okay, let's read verse 38. Give and it'll be given to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, it'll be put into your bosom. What? What is that? How many of you in this room have heard that verse in a giving message? Like giving, offering, money message. Did any of those verses in Matthew 7 or Luke 6, 37 and 38, not excluding this first part, say anything about money? The context is judgment. So why do we think? This is, the, this is where I kind of have a problem with the church. Because this verse has been used to guilt people into giving money when the context isn't even that. Okay? Most, it's, it, the context is judging. Here's the issue. My issue with the church is that, not that they don't understand the Greek language. My problem with the church and a lot of teaching on this verse is that they don't understand English. And I didn't understand English. I've shared with you before, when I was in high school, solid 1.8 GPA. Right? That's just one step above really dumb, right? 4.0 was best. I was 1.8, right? I had to learn grammar and learn how to speak it, right? I had to take, <laughs> this is almost embarrassing. When I went to university at the Kings, I had to take three English classes before I could even start college and pass them. When we were in youth ministry before I went to college, Michelle would take care of all the love and the, pe the kids, and, and I would preach messages. I had a guy come up to me one time after service, and you know when you're young and arrogant, you don't really understand, you think, oh, he's coming to tell me I did a great job. Well, he walks up to me, this dad, and he says, Pastor Dan, I wasn't even a pastor then, he said, you have the worst grammar I have ever heard of any person in my whole life in the entire world ever. I was like, thank you. So I had to learn English, took a lot of English in college because I was basically stupid. I, I, could, I knew all the cuss words, and I, you know, I could barely put a sentence together, and now I know grammar good. <laughs> it's well. It's well, all right? It's well. Gooder. There you go. Right. So let's talk about this verse in, in, in 638. Again, give, and it will be given to you, right? 
pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Uh, it'll be put into your bosom. Let's, let's break this down, okay? Give, a little, little English class, I wish I had my whiteboard. Give is the action word. It's the verb, right? We're going to do something. We're going to give, okay? Uh, you, if you are reading this, whether it's me or Dom or Sarah or whoever, you is the implied subject. You. You're important. It's it. Now, that it in there is the big deal because they call it an objective pronoun, and it has to be replaced with something. Okay, so if we're reading this verse, it, it says, give, and it'll be given to you, good measure, pressed down, and shaken the other. That it is a big, flexible thing. It could be a lot of different things, right? And, and remember, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, in an agricultural economy, that's how they did it. They had a basket, and they would go to sell their goods, and they would push them down in there, then they would shake it to get it to settle, right? If you've ever mixed up stuff, whether you bake or whatever, you're shaking this together, you're pressing it down, and you're putting it in there until it runs over. You want a lot of it. To me, I read that verse, and I look at God's economy, and I say it's a never-ending, overflowing economy. But you have to be careful with that overflowing economy because of that word, it. That word, it, is dangerous. Because it could mean judgment. It could mean condemnation. It could mean unforgiveness. It could mean gossip. It could mean a lot of things that's going to come back to you according to this verse. If we're going to believe what the Bible says in the red letters, those things can come back to you pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Know what that tells me? Tells me Luke 6.38 is a very awesome verse because we could flip it on the positive side and say, I'm going to sow forgiveness. I'm going to sow grace. I'm going to sow chocolate shakes. I'm going to... I'm going to sow donuts. I'm going to sow M&Ms. And know that all those things, whatever you sow is going to come back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Period. So anytime you start a sentence like, oh, those people, pressed down, you start talking about folks, you start sowing discord seeds. We start doing things like unforgiving our parents or unforgiving that guy who stole my thing and start doing things like that. That's not the blessed life because it's going to come back, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. In God's economy, we give liberally, holding nothing back. God does. So be careful how we're doing. That verse is very touchy. That it is a lot of different things, so we got to pay attention. If we want to live the blessed life, we have to be careful because God instituted the thing in Genesis 8 called the seed time and harvest principle. Okay? When Noah built the ark, we all saw the movie, right? Got all the animals. When the ark landed, Noah got out of the ark 
built an altar, right? Sacrifice to that altar made a covenant with God that sounds like this in Genesis 8:22. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. You know what that means? God instituted a seed time and harvest principle that does not stop, even in January or July. Hot, cold, day, night, anytime the seed time harvest principle is operating. We're going to talk more about this later in the series. Here's how this works. Take one apple seed. God designed this to work this way in everything. It's like we just talked about. M&M's, chocolate shakes, or condemnation. Doesn't matter. Take that seed. Plant it in the ground. One seed. Does it produce one more seed? Heck no. In God's economy, with a libera li very liberal community, you plant one seed. That one seed, think about this for a second. So you seed one chocolate shake seed, right? And you put it in the ground. What happens? This tree grows up. And inside this tree is hundreds upon thousands. Jesus, come on, somebody of chocolate shakes in this tree. Are you kidding me right now? I would weigh 17,000 pounds. I would be on TV probably. My 17,000 pound life. Inside of each one of those shakes, hundreds upon hundreds of seeds. That's seed time and harvest principle. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. We'll detail this later in the series, but I'm telling you, watch what's happening because there's a lot of us who are sowing seeds of discord, condemnation, unforgiveness. Big deal because we can't be living a blessed life if we're sowing those seeds, right? Can Luke 6:38, this giving principle. Seed time and harvest apply to money? Of course it can. It applies to everything because of the word it. It is a short word, but it's huge. Right? So in the context of Luke 6, uh, 37 38, and Matthew 7, 1, we can determine that it is, we have to be careful with our words and we have to be careful with what seeds we're sowing, okay? God implemented giving for us, not for him. Because remember, God doesn't need anything. And it isn't about us because in that verse has been taught the concept of giving to get, which should be illegal. They should just arrest guys who teach that because that's not the way it is. We don't give to get. We give to give. Right? We sow these seeds so we can produce a harvest. You've never seen a chocolate shake tree drinking chocolate shakes. Right? That chocolate shake tree produces chocolate shakes to give to people like me who love them. Or Five Guys Burgers or In-N-Out, but man, I need to eat something today. Right? So we could see that the Bible is clearly teaching in these concepts that it is clearly about the heart. 
Where is your heart? Is your heart full of greed and deception, or is it full of generosity? That's what we're going to talk about today. It's a work in the heart. On your handout there, on the back in the first page, it says, God blesses giving with a good heart. God never blesses selfishness or greed, right? God gives us specific instructions on how to live the blessed life, right? And it's in Deuteronomy chapter 15. There's four tools to live by the blessed life. Deuteronomy chapter 15, it's clear. But pastor, that's the Torah. That doesn't apply for today. Baloney. Prove to me how these concepts that are biblical concepts do not apply today when it's about giving. And let me see if I think about the God's character and nature. It's all about giving, right? He gave his only begotten son. That's kind of a big deal. I'm not giving my son for your life. I can tell you that right now. Unless they keep being wise guys, they may accidentally fall off a roof, right? I'm not going to give up my son for your life like God gave up his son. The ultimate prize. Now tell me this doesn't apply to today. Okay, so look at uh, chapter 15, verse 7. There is many, is there, oh my goodness, is there, if, <laughs> thank you, if there is among you a poor man of your brethren with any of the gates of your land, gates means cities, which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart. If I had a Bible, I would circle those words in there because it's all about the heart. Shut your hand, uh, shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open freely, literally freely open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever needs he has. Do you see where this is going? God always cares about the other guy. Look at your neighbor and tell him, it ain't about you. That was weak. So here's four tools to, to live the blessed life. Number one on your handout, deal with a selfish heart. Please deal with a selfish heart. Number one thing, when a child is born, little will, Right? He's waddling around in his pampers, right? What's the number one word he says when Daisy runs up and grabs his G.I. Joe or whatever? What's he say? Mine! Many of us, almost 60-year-old adults, are all about mine. We went to Wienerschnitzel yesterday. Let's just praise God for a minute for Wienerschnitzel. My beautiful wife in the drive-thru says, hey, I want some chili cheese fries. I'm like, ha, ha, ha. if I could just have chili cheese fries and a chocolate shake, I would be in heaven right now. And my, here's my thinking, because I'm selfish. I said, she's doing keto. She won't eat all those. She'll have like two bites and hand them over. So we had to go from Wienerschnitzel to the P.O. box and then home. And I'm like, I'll eat my chili dogs at home because they're hotter than Mordor, and you can't eat them for like 10 minutes after you get them. So we're driving in the car going to the P.O. box, and she's, she's got the fork and she's like shoveling these. I'm like, I had a couple of bites. I had like two bites, and she's over there <laughs> shoveling them in. I'm like, let's have my chili fries. 
they were actually her chili fries, but I'm like, she won't eat them. And I'm like, she's eating all the chili fries. Just get the, the, my selfish heart was totally exposed. And then she hands me the box and got to throw it away. And I was like, the chili fries are all gone. I don't have any, anything. Look at verse 9. Just, just have a moment of silence for the selfish heart. Beware, lest there be a wicked thought in your heart, saying, Pastor Michelle ate my chili cheese fries. <laughs> the seventh year, the year of release is at hand, and your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing, and he cry out to the Lord against you, and it becomes sin among you. In, in this culture, every seventh year, debts were released. Anybody want to go back to that? That would be kind of cool. What they're talking about, what he's talking about in Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy was the law the second time. And it was the law written to a generation who didn't get it the first time because the first generation died in the wilderness. So he's telling them, deal with your selfish heart. Don't, don't look at your brother who comes to you looking for for money, and then say, mm, if I give you $500, the year of Jubilee starts in July. That's only a month. I'm not going to see that money. Back in Luke 6, before those verses, the golden rules in there, by the way, treat others the way you want to be treated. And the other part, a little later, right before that, about verse 35 or 6 says, lend and do not expect it back. Lend and do, give that donut away, knowing you will never see it again, and it'll be okay. Or your chili cheese fries. <laughs> away. It'll be okay. Deal with a selfish heart. Number two on your handout there. Deal with a grieving heart. Look at verse 10. Verse 10. You shall, not, you shall surely give to him, and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him, because for this thing... The Lord your God will bless you in all the works of which you put your hand. We read that earlier. What does that look like? You know what? If I had some cash right now, I would show you something, right? What's that? Yeah. What? That's $100 right there, my friend. See that? Blessed. I'm going to get some chili cheese fries with my $100. And I'm not sharing. <laughs> so why do you think Dominic gave me that hundred dollars just now? Know why? Well, I gave it to him before the service. So, <laughs> so realistically, it wasn't his anyway. Good choice, though. Now, now listen to me for a second, because this is a great illustration. He just gave me $100 that was mine. Is he going to sit here in the front row and be sad and upset and angry because he had to give that $100 back to me? No. No, why? It wasn't his. Just like all the hundreds of dollars that we have isn't ours. 
So why do we have such a hard time giving it back to God when it's not ours? And then we get upset. How many of you have, like, given, <laughs> we've done this before, and it's not chili cheese fries, it's a lot bigger than that, where you give a substantial amount, you, the Lord speaks to your heart, and you're like, Lord, that's a lot of zeros on there. And you write that check and you give it, and then all of a sudden your truck blows up in Vegas. And you're like, uh-oh, how are we going to do this? We just gave all of our money to the church. That's when faith comes in. Pressed down, shaken together, with a good heart, it's given. And it's amazing. We could sit here and tell story after story after story of people who have given. And, it, and it's, I knew a guy who, who um, was ministering at a church, received a check for ministering at that church. The Lord spoke to him on the front row. There just happened to be a missionary at that church that night. Lord spoke to him on the front row and said, give that check to that missionary. The guy gave him the check was like, <laughs> you know, because he had no more, he had no more speaking engagements for the whole rest of the month. He had no uh, income coming in for the rest of the month, and he just gave all of his income away. Later on that night, they went to dinner. There was a guy at that dinner who was an elder in that church, and he said, did you get the check? And he's like, yeah, I got the check. He said, can I see it? And he's like, well, my wife has it. <laughs> he's like, go get it. So he walks over to his wife, and he leans down, and he says, how's dinner going? Is everything okay? Is everything all right? Praise the Lord. And then he walks back, and the guy, the elder, looked right at him in his face, and he said, you gave it away, didn't you? And he's like, Yeah. That was our whole income for the month. The elder turned around and reached in his pocket and handed him another check that was exactly 10 times what the original check was. Wow. Don't tell me seed time and harvest does not work, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It's all through this book, and it's all through this room in people who have given in great abundance. Going back to my truck... Engine blown up, 2017 F-150, brand new EcoBoost engine. I would not recommend buying one. <laughs> Vegas coming back, blew up. I was stressed out. It's going to cost a ton of money. We are faithful givers to this ministry, faithful from a long time ago when we learned this. Got on the phone the next day with the guy, extended warranty. What? Yeah, I had a towed to the Ford dealer. They had it two and a half months. You know what it cost us? hundred dollars. You know what the bill on the rebuild on that engine was? $22,000 to put a brand new engine in that truck sitting right out there today. Pressed down, shaking together, and running over. You can't tell me that this does not work. And that leads us to number three. Develop a generous heart. Right? Generous heart. Verse 14 you shall supply him liberally, liberally, literally, liberally, literally, generosity from your flock, from your threshing floor, and from your wine press. From what the Lord has blessed you with, you shall give to him. Right? 
it's incredible that we can just give generously. And, and I'm going to put this in here because Matthew 6.21 says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, everybody always says this backwards, that for there your heart is, there will be your treasure. <clears throat> That's not right, because where your heart is, right, is where your treasure follows, right, where your treasure goes. If you buy stock, guess what? Your heart's now a part of that stock. You sow into your company, into your 401k or into whatever, guess what? Part of your heart goes with that thing. You're attached to that thing. So let me ask you this question. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you want to sow into the eternal kingdom of God, which has no end, owns everything, and can bless you back at any minute? Right? We pray for things like that. We pray about things like that. And we get our heart in the kingdom of God. We can help people on the other side of the planet. Right? You sow into teenagers, you're sowing into their life by helping them, whether they're fundraising or just bless their college things or buying them lunch. Because most teenagers have hollow legs and the food just goes right in. Nobody knows where it goes. just never stops. It's like, especially kids like your kid, holy cow, thing's a monster, right? Put our heart in the kingdom, build treasure there. Build treasure into your family, into your marriage. Work on these things. It just doesn't happen. Right? Great marriage just doesn't happen. You gotta work that thing. You gotta build it. Right? Number four, we'll close right here. Develop a grateful heart. This is the biggest of all four of these. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you in this thing today. How many of you can really believe that you are where you are right now? Thinking, I was such, when I was in my 20s, mm, that was a mess. Didn't know Jesus, didn't know anything, couldn't talk, obviously, can't talk now, right? It was just a hot mess. We have to remember where we came from. Just think for a second, just meditate for a second on where Jesus has brought you. Right? And, and the more you learn every day and the things that you understand about biblical principles and learning how to love people, not sowing discord into people or kids or family, right? The Bible says you were once a slave and you were a slave to this world. You were a slave to this economy. You were a slave to everything. A lot of us were a slave to addictions. We were slaves to people pleasing. Come on, somebody. Right? We were slave to, to something, and our past was holding us down. Write this down. Gratitude produces generosity. Gratitude produces generosity. I'm going to finish with this story right here. When COVID hit and we got kicked out of the community center, I thought that was it for this ministry. We were done. At that time, we, we were growing. We were expanding. We had people coming. Our finances were great. But everything stopped. This is where my faith was at the time. I'm just being transparent for a second. I thought this was over. I thought this was going to drag out for years, and we were never going to get it back. People were going to scatter. I mean, of course, the news media helps your faith. Like, 
the world is ending. Of course it is, right? But God was faithful. And let me say this to our church family, you people and everybody on the stream today, you guys have been faithful through that whole thing. You've been sowing, you've been giving, you've been serving. We did, I went through everything we went through last week when, when in here with the, the building and securing a building, getting a, an awesome worship leader and getting all these things and securing this stuff with finances that kept coming in even though we weren't meeting. God is faithful. No matter what, come on, man. God has brought you out of the pit. It's easy when you are thankful from where you came from to give what's not yours anyway. And I'm not talking just finances. I'm talking about serving somebody, maybe unloading a truck, maybe moving somebody, coming by somebody's house just to pray, or bringing a food dinner over there, serving somebody, serving the children in the in the zoo over here, whatever that thing's called, serving somebody, helping somebody, pushing a car into a gas station. It's all giving. And God commands us. We just read it. I command you this thing today. God wants you blessed so you can bless someone else. Let's all stand together. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Sandy, South Jordan, West Jordan, or Harriman area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, head over to bridgechurchutah.com or email info at bridgechurchutah.com or you can simply text 801-391-6969. We're looking forward to seeing you soon.